Last night, Joe Biden tweeted out that when he does beat Donald Trump, we won't just rebuild this nation. We will transform it. Aside from the presumptive, we will beat Donald Trump. It's hard to know what he's actually talking about. What does it mean to transform this country? I don't know. It was just a tweet. But considering all of the pundits talking about Joe Biden catering or pandering to the far left and Donald Trump trying to show that Joe Biden is a puppet of the far left, I think we can make assumptions about what transforming this country would actually look like based on what the far left has been doing so far. That even if we were to compromise with the far left, we are going to see dramatic and radical change that many Americans probably don't want. This statement from Joe Biden led me to ask the question, do Americans really want a transformation or do they want the status quo? It's hard to know for sure. There's a lot of poor people who would like to do better and think the answer lies in politicians. However, the message that Joe Biden is putting out, albeit it was just a tweet, is contrasted by Donald Trump's message of keep America great. Trump doesn't want to transform America into something else. He wants it to be the best that it already is. For the past several years, we've had record economic growth. Even right now, for some reason, the stock market is skyrocketing, which seems kind of odd. But it's probably because people think we're going to recover very, very quickly after the whole COVID thing kind of comes to an end. Now, right now in this country, there's a lot of problems. And you could argue that under Donald Trump, we are seeing not a not so much of a great America. But all of these things we're seeing from statues being torn down to riots to the bad economy is the fault of the left and the Democrats. So listen, I have my personal biases, but I'm not putting the fault of riots and COVID on Donald Trump. Donald Trump had several years of a really great economy and surprisingly now coming close to the end of his first term, presuming he gets a second one. He's actually fairly anti-war in a lot of ways. I mean, at least compared to his predecessors. Does America really want a revolution? I don't believe so. I really don't. And a lot of what we're seeing, I think, scares many Americans. And we keep hearing about the silent majority. Does the silent majority really exist? I got to be honest, I'm not entirely convinced. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but that was a different time. It really was. Hillary Clinton represented the status quo under Barack Obama. But there was a brooding culture war coming, which has now reared its ugly head in the mainstream. If regular Americans become aware of what's going on in this culture war, I really do believe they will resist transformation and they will overwhelmingly vote for Trump. I'm just not convinced right now that most Americans actually know what's happening. When you see Donald Trump give his 4th of July speech, he talks about a left wing culture revolution. Well, I, as someone who pays attention to the news, basically nonstop all day, every day, understand what he's talking about. They just tore down a statue of Frederick Douglass, heroic abolitionist, a symbol of freedom and liberty who made America face itself in the mirror and stand up to its own constitution. A truly brilliant man. But he was his statue was torn down, desecrated and damaged beyond repair. That's transformation I don't want. They're banning movies. They're banning books. They're banning art. These are transformations I don't want. I want more civil rights. I want America to do, to do better. But what, what we are facing under Joe Biden, to me, is not something most Americans would probably want to believe in. Erasing our culture and our history. The only problem I see is, do Americans actually know what's happening? I'm going to show you what's happening as of right now with the far left, 
with the statues and with the far left's call for defunding the police. That's right. Crime is skyrocketing across the board. These are not the fault of Donald Trump. It's the fault of far leftists. And it's the fault of Democratic governors and mayors who will not hold these people accountable. It doesn't mean Trump is a great president or that he's even doing a good job. It just means the transformation being proposed under Biden should probably worry you. At least it worries me. Let's let's, let's read the first story and just see what's all this tweet about and then walk through what a transformation uh, under uh, Biden, under Biden, under uh, under (laughs) Joe Biden might look like. You see, I just pulled a Biden. I'm sorry. Remember when Biden said, oh, Biden, Obama? Hey, we all make mistakes. Before we get started, however, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box if you want to send stuff. But the best thing you can do, share this video for simply for, for one simple reason. Do people really know what's happening right now in this country? And I think the answer is probably not. Many of them don't want to know. Many of them have seen counter propaganda or have seen straight up propaganda and won't believe it. But there are probably a lot of people who just don't know. And I'm going to show you what's been going on and what you could get if Joe Biden actually does get elected. Now, if you just want to watch the subscribe button, the like button, the notification bell, you know the game. Let's read the news. The Daily Caller says Joe Biden promises to transform America if elected. We are going to beat Donald Trump. And when we do, we won't just rebuild this nation. We will transform it. They say the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee did not provide specifics on how he would transform the nation if he wins in November. And his campaign did not immediately respond to a request for comment from the from the Daily Caller. Biden's comments came at the end of July, July 4th weekend, which saw saw large protests against racism and police brutality. The former vice president has promised sweeping reforms of elected, but has also attempted to distance himself from protest movements that have called for police departments to be defunded and statues of U.S. founding fathers to come down. These are very important points that I want to make sure to be fair. I highlight first, Joe Biden was asked about statues. He said the Confederate statues should probably come down. But Christopher Columbus, the founding fathers, probably too far. Joe Biden and the Democrats have said no to defunding or abolishing the police. The only problem is when we see that from Biden and the Democrats, we I, I, I think we can respect that position. But then when we see that they're pandering or catering to the far left, can we trust that position? And I think the answer is, for the most part, no. I think Joe Biden will make many concessions. He will give up a lot of ground to the far left. And these will be things we don't like. Donald Trump gave a speech on the 4th of July. Most of the media called it dark and divisive, almost like they got their talking points from the Democratic Party themselves. Was the speech really dark and divisive? I could only imagine if you were on the far left. The idea that Donald Trump would have to unify Americans with radical revolutionary types to me is kind of weird. There's no compromise between me and someone who thinks I shouldn't have the right to speak or who thinks that statues of my heroes like people like Frederick Douglass or Thomas Jefferson should be brought down. Or how about uh, there's one man, I believe his name is Hans Christian Hegg. He was an abolitionist who died fighting for the union. These are people that I respect. They're they're heroes. I'm not going to compromise with someone who wants them brought down. What's the compromise there? We'll bring down some of the statues and leave up some of them. No, they should all remain up. Now, maybe there's a compromise over the Confederate statues, but they already tore those down or they're trying to tear them down. They're trying to tear down our presidents. I'm sorry, man. There's a line and I can't compromise with that. So I wouldn't call it divisive. Let's see what's going on with this here. uh, Joe Biden. The coming Biden coup. Now, this story this is an opinion piece from The Hill today where they say 
The socialist progressive wing of the Democratic Party is now center stage and insisting one of their own be Biden's vice presidential candidate. That's all you need to see from this article. That's the point I want to bring up right now. The, the, the Democrats are hoping that if Joe Biden picks a progressive, someone who supports all this far left revolutionary nonsense, they could actually win them over. That's the compromise the Democrats are willing to make to a fringe sect of revolutionary type fanatics, in my opinion. We recently saw Nancy Pelosi and many of the Democrats literally get on bent knee for Black Lives Matter, which many Black Lives Matter activists uh, have said has been hijacked by the far left. I think it's fair to point out there are some totally fine aspects of the Black Lives Matter movement, notably the things that I've praised that Dave Chappelle has brought up, ending police brutality and defending civil liberties. Totally on board for that. But the weird Marxist intersectionalism is a step too far, and these people are gaining ground. And the Democrats don't seem to care that within their ranks, this non-theistic religion is bubbling up. But let's read a, a, a little bit more of this, these, these stories here. Check it out. Joe Biden, seen as puppet of far left Democrats, critics say. This is from May 21st. And we have this story. Why Trump's attempt to tag Biden as a tool of the radical left isn't working. In short, voters don't see him that way, according to a new Politico morning consult poll. Now, this is important considering we just saw that critics are calling Joe Biden a puppet of the far left or that I have literally just done that. Not that he's a puppet, but that I think he's going to compromise on things I, I don't want to see compromise. I'm sorry, man. You can't compromise on everything. I certainly believe in police reform. I don't believe in abolishing the police. I'm not going to compromise on that. What's the compromise there? Defund the police? Maybe. Maybe demilitarize in many ways. And that's why I'm in favor of reform. But I'm worried that with the Democratic Party, they're going to give way too much. They're not particularly strong. They say only 17% of registered voters perceive the former vice president as more liberal than most Democrats, according to a Politico morning consult survey, while nearly two thirds see him as in line with, with, uh, in line with or more conservative than the party at large. But that's true. That doesn't mean he's not a puppet of the far left. It means that Joe Biden is widely seen as a more centrist Democratic candidate, not a progressive candidate. But it doesn't matter what, what Donald Trump is trying to brand him as. This is what's really funny. It's, it's a matter of fact. 538 says it. The pandemic has pushed Biden to the left. How far will he go? <laughs> I don't know. But it's funny that they say in the in the late in the, in the newest piece from Politico about this, that Trump is trying to brand Joe Biden as a puppet of the far left. But 538 said in May that Joe Biden was moving far left. He certainly is. Joe Biden called for a moratorium on, on deportations. And I'm not sure if Biden went this far, but I believe the Democrats all said they want to decriminalize border crossings. I mean, that's weird, far left ideological stuff. Strangely, Bernie Sanders used to call it a far right position. So I guess Bernie Sanders is far right now that he supports it. Honestly, I have no idea. But there's more in this vein. Check it out. When we talk about where we go with the far left, defunding police and all these things, we start to get real tangible results that, in my opinion, are not things the American people want. I want to be fair and, and completely forthright. Joe Biden has and the Democratic Party have said no to defunding the police. But if they are going to move far left and they are going to compromise with the far left and bring on a potential far left VP, then we can see that some of these ideas will persist and will enter into mainstream America. What does that mean? New York City has now seen more than 500 shootings in 2020, 
a city run by a progressive Democrat in a state run by Democrats, in which the city just re- reassigned 600 police from their anti-crime unit due to calls for defunding the police. A city where the, the state attorney said they would not prosecute protesters who were out protesting for Black Lives Matter, morality policing. Yet at the same time, we see in California, churches aren't allowed, they're not even allowed to sing. In, in New York, they're telling you churches at minimal capacity, but they let some people off the hook. What happens? When the police are demoralized, their budgets have just been slashed, you will see crime skyrocket. Check out this story. New York City crime stats show spike in burglaries and murders so far this year from June 16th, just a couple of weeks ago. Why is this happening? They say that, uh, what is this? Murders are up 25%. If you talk to the progressives, they'll tell you it's a conspiracy. You see, the police are desperately trying to make sure that people want them to have their jobs. They want to make sure everybody knows why they need the NYPD to channel my good V for Vendetta, Chancellor Sutler there. I don't believe it. I think the reality is the police are demoralized. They're scared to do certain things because of the widespread protests. Their budgets have been slashed and 600 cops have been reassigned. You can argue that because of the protests, the police are refusing to do work, but that's an issue of demoralization. I'm totally on board with reform. And I think a lot of cops who are against it, yeah, well, too bad. Reform is fine. But reform is something simple like you know, cops have, have a first response, you know, a, a procedure, a, a policy procedure of the first people who go out will be community officers, depending on the, on, on the severity of the call, that if somebody calls 911 for a mental health issue, then NYPD's community response team shows up. I believe these, these officers are armed, but it's very different from, say, a cop, you know, your standard beat cop. It's, all, it's, all, it's about scale and, and progression. Some people have talked about sending out social workers. I've seen conservatives very critical of this, arguing that you know, social workers will just end up getting hurt or whatever. But I, I think that's, to an extent, moderately unfair. The reality is, if you call someone because there's a homeless guy who is like refusing to move from a doorway, then you can have a social worker come out. That really does make sense. These are simple reforms that I think can make sense. Unfortunately, that's not what the far left is calling for. And the vocal minority or whatever, that's that's actually going to gain uh gain position among the Democrats, they want to abolish the police outright. When they slashed the NYPD budget by a billion dollars, AOC said, no, when we say defund, we mean defund. My question is, just tell us what you want. Why are you playing word games with us? Regardless of what's happening, the far left and the riots and the violence has resulted in more crime. That's just, it's just fair to say across the board to look at Chicago, murders and shootings are up. Overall crime, overall crime is down. So that's, that's pretty good that crime is down, but murders and shootings are up. And that's likely due to the fact, well, that police are demoralized, as I stated. Moving on, however, I wanted to highlight this uh, thread from Jack Murphy, who talks about the problems of riots and why I think pandering to the far left is dangerous. Jack tweeted this thread in May, May 29th, before the riots actually hit D.C. He said, riots burned D.C. in 1968. It took 40 years for the city to recover. And in some ways, it never did. Some of the burned out areas had crumbling buildings and vacancies for decades. Tens of thousands of people left town never to return. The city was literally gutted. What happens when a city is gutted? Those with means leave. Those without remain. Crime, drugs, and despair move in. In D.C., the entire middle class left town, black and white. All that remained were mostly poor blacks and a few rich whites. 
both were cloistered and isolated. The tax base erodes, services decline, lawlessness fills the air. Streets become borders between the haves and have nots. Segregation increases, conflict rises, anger intensifies. Things get so bad that folks just abandon their properties. Those who stay bar their doors. He goes on to say the big difference is that today, coronavirus had already caused a lot of damage and incentivized people to leave. But he says that the riots are coming. And when they do, the city will be damaged and will likely not recover for decades, thus creating more problems. And he's right. I believe he's right. So think about what compromise of the far left gets you. They keep saying the riots worked. They didn't work. They made everything worse and people died. Is that what Joe Biden seeks to compromise with? Certainly not everybody associated with the progressive left is for violence, but they certainly excuse it to varying degrees. Where were the complaints about Frederick Douglass's statue being torn down? I just don't know. Enough is enough. Atlanta mayor calls for violence to end after a child is killed. It took this long for Atlanta to finally move in and shut down this, this occupied space in Atlanta. These protesters have been violent. They're not even pro- I, don't, I don't know what you call them, but the violence has gone on for so long. Why won't they stop it? Why are murders and shootings going up? Why in Atlanta did a little girl have to lose her life? Why in Chaz in Seattle did a 16 year old lose his life? What are they doing? Is that what Joe Biden seeks to 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 compromise with? And I bring it back to the main point. If Joe Biden is talking about transform, would he unintentionally bring about this kind of transform? That's not the transform we want. Again, you could say that right now Trump is president and they try to argue that. But Trump is in charge of the federal government and, and Joe Biden would be as well. What Trump can do pertains to federal jurisdiction, meaning if people cross state lines or if they're on federal property. This is the mayor of Seattle, of New York, of Atlanta, the Democratic Party that has not gotten a handle on the far left. It's not conservatives. It's not Trump supporters who are coming out and doing this. So what do you think you get when Joe Biden begins to compromise with them? You get statues of Frederick Douglass removed, this time by crane, not by rope. This time the city comes in and says, we will tear down heroes of liberty and freedom. And that's what they've been doing, man. I'm not, I, I can't sit here and just pretend that the, the, the Democratic Party isn't party to the same ideology. They'll say, hey, you vote for us and we'll help you with this stuff. It's a compromise, right? Well, there, there, there are worse things, abolitionists being torn down, but this is probably the weirdest. You want to talk about a transformation. Let's talk about what the transformation is right now. Everyday words and phrases that have racist connotations, says CNN, master bedrooms, blacklists and whitelists in computing. This is insane. They're just phrases. People like to make things up. They like to make up the history of weird words because they want to change the definition of words. There's complaints now in the hacker community. They're saying there's, there's such thing as white hat hackers. They're the good guys, sort of. They work for big companies to protect people for, for uh, you know, for a business. You got, you got a threat of hackers. The white hats coming to save you. Gray hats, typically political activists. And then black hats. Black hat hacker means people who do things for personal gain, stealing credit cards, etc. These are not racial terms. It's a reference to like light and dark or like white magic and black magic. It's just old ancestral terminology. It's not racist unless you make it racist. Blacklist and whitelist, etc. They want to create some kind of weird racial history to literally change the definition of words. And that's confusing to people. 
And now you have cancel culture. That is not a transformation I want to be a part of. It's, it, it, it goes beyond this. There are so much weird and worse things. The Washington Post says, while offensive TV shows get pulled, problematic books are still inspiring debate and conversation. What are you trying to argue here, Washington Post, that we should now start burning books? Let me tell you. How can you tell if you're on the side of the good guys? The saying goes, the good guys tend to be the ones that aren't burning books, banning speech, banning art, tearing down statues of of heroes who opposed slavery. Certainly people have torn down statues, good guy and bad guy. That I can understand. But banning books, burning books, that doesn't sound like the good guys to me. In fact, that sounds like the baddies. Are you compromising with the bad guys? It sounds like you may be. Now you have the rise of this fringe ideology and their and their corporate lecture book, White Fragility, which is horrifying, nightmarish Kafka. Uh, what is it? They call it a Kafka trap that all white people are racist, they say. And if you deny it, it proves you're racist. That's the argument. It's a fringe, non-theistic religion being, you know, seeping its way into the Democratic Party through the far left. These are not things I think Americans would like to see in, ter- in terms of transformation. Outrage after California bans singing in churches. Is this the transformation you want? Why is California banning singing but supporting protests? Certainly you can sing with a mask on. Here's the new religion. People in a park with their hands raised chanting. Is this the transformation you want? I have no problem if people want to practice a new religion, if they want to sit in a park and raise their hands and chant. I have a problem with how the government will ban you from chanting and singing. That's literally what they're saying. But these other groups can do the same thing. Oh, they'll argue, but they're wearing masks. Sure. But in many of these videos, many of these, these uh, photos, the people in churches are wearing masks too. Now they want to take down Thomas Jefferson. They want to destroy our history. When Donald Trump said there is a cultural revolution that seeks to erase our history, many media pundits lied and said, that's not true. Trump's just making this up. Brian Selter of CNN said, it's Trump world. It's, you know, he's just watching Tucker Carlson. Does Brian read the New York Times? He used to work there. He's the guy who hosts the CNN show. I'm a direct descendant of Thomas Jefferson. Take down his memorial. No, no, that is not transformation I want. Now, I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly what Joe Biden's talking about in terms of transformation. Maybe it just means universal health care or something. But I'm not going to make assumptions. No, I'm sorry. I'm on my guard. They tore down Frederick Douglass. You know why that makes me angry? Not only was he a rad dude, but I have been citing him quite a bit over the past couple of weeks, only to find out somebody went and tore his statue. I don't care who it was or what they believe. Find him and arrest him. That to me is such a step over the line. This dude was awesome. Frederick Douglass was awesome. You know, Thomas Jefferson helped create a great nation. It was an ideological revolution where we, we, we as people finally realized that government should be of, by, and for the people. Many people don't understand what July 4th represents. They think it's American independence. A bunch of white slave owners now saying like, well, I should have to pay taxes. No, it was when we realized that divine mandate did not a king it make that we could have government that we choose. Thomas Jefferson was a slave owner. It's disgusting. And guess what? Frederick Douglass challenged America to look to their own constitution. And he said, will you uphold these freedoms for everyone? 
talking about putting a mirror up to these people who claimed to believe in liberty. He was right. And guess what? (laughs) He won. And we agreed. So we put up a statue in his honor. The police say it was put up in a place where it was above. uh, It was was a place, uh, the Underground Railroad, to represent this area where he and Harriet Tubman would help free slaves. Talk about awesome, inspirational, heroic. And somebody tore it down. You want to tear down Confederate statues? I'm not okay with this because you're, you're destabilizing things. You're causing harm. You're targeting people. But more importantly, you are, you are, you are violating the, the, the democratic process. I do not like Confederate statues. Not one a bit. They should be put in museums and we can talk about the problems of the Confederacy and why we won and why that war was fought. But Frederick Douglass, I tell you what, make a 50 foot statue put up right in the middle of some big old city. That would be awesome. The dude rocks. There were so many things wrong with this country even after it was formed, but we've always done better because great heroes stood up and challenged us to consider what's, what, what's, what's going on around us and whether or not we truly are free. We do it to this day. Even just recently, the Supreme Court ruling that you cannot discriminate on the basis of orientation or identity. Talk about this country doing the right thing. So why erase its founders who planted those seeds of liberty, the seeds that needed to be challenged when people like Frederick Douglass emerged to water those seeds and, and, and make the tree of liberty even better? Why are they tearing that down? And what transformation are they talking about? I'll tell you what, you know whose statue they didn't tear down? Lenin up in Seattle, but they burned down an elk in Portland. No, I will not compromise with these people. And no, I don't want to see a dramatic transformation. So Joe Biden may be talking about something as fine as he wants to create universal health care. I'm down to entertain the possibility. I don't know how it might look. I've often argued for basic services. You break a bone, you can go to the hospital you're taking care of. You get a cold, you get your Tamiflu. But for more severe injuries, illnesses, you're going to need private insurance for that. How many countries actually do it? So maybe there's a real conversation there. Maybe that's a transformation we can talk about. Let me tell you something. Under Donald Trump's first three years, the economy was doing extremely well. It doesn't mean he's perfect. It doesn't mean he's good or great. It just means he got that one right and people agreed. And because of this, we started seeing many of these revolutionary changes the left has been calling for. A four-day work week, you know, employee benefits, perks, and health care. Because the economy was doing so well, it was happening. COVID was not Trump's fault. So if Trump wants to keep America great, and he's going to do it this way with no new wars, bringing our troops back and making the economy better for everyone. I mean, to me, that sounds like a great thing. I wish the dude wasn't such a nasty guy. I get it. People like his behavior, but I don't. A lot of people don't. That's fine. But you can recognize he nailed it on many issues. For me, war was always the biggest. And here we are at the end of his four, ter- four years. He didn't start a war. <laughs> I'm pretty happy about that. So what is Joe Biden offering? I honestly don't know. I really, really don't know. He just called it transformation. It's meaningless. He hides in his basement. He offers up empty platitudes. Meanwhile, the far left romps about and Joe Biden does nothing but say, oh, well, you know, maybe they shouldn't tear that down. That's not strong enough, man. If you plan to compromise this pe- with these people, I don't know what that means, but I don't like it. Where I stand as someone who's always been moderately liberal, I mean, when I was younger, I was pretty far left. And ideologically, I kind of am, but realistically, I'm just kind of your moderate center left liberal type. I look at my options. I would rather compromise with conservatives to preserve our freedoms, bolster our economy, and say no to new wars, if that's what Trump will maintain in a second term, hopefully 
than to look at what the far left is doing, saying, take down Thomas Jefferson. No way. I've got a collection of Thomas Jefferson coins that his faces appear on these things. Why? Because the dude was awesome. He was. He did. He, he, he was part of a, a bad era. He was he was a slave owner. That should that should always be condemned. And that's why I carry on and look to people like Frederick Douglass or Harriet Tubman, the people that we actually think are awesome in this country. And I say no to the extremists. So let me put it this way. Let me wrap it up here. I don't know if Donald Trump's going to win. I don't know if he should win. But I do not like the idea of the transformation that they are putting forth. And when Joe Biden comes out and says, we're going to transform this nation, I say, hold on there a minute. I'm not I'm not liking the transformation I'm seeing. So you're freaking me out. If you're going to compromise, bring on a VP who supports this stuff and then tell me you want to transform things. Now I'll take my chance with the orange guy. Yeah, he's got problems. He makes me cringe a whole lot. But we had a great economy. He didn't start a war. And I'd rather have that and his garden of heroes. Yeah, Donald Trump said he's going to make a garden of heroes, going to put up a bunch of statues to a lot of people. Good. There are people that we should, we should always remember because we are standing on their shoulders. These are the giants of history who have passed down ideas and knowledge that to us seems so obvious. It's funny that Frederick Douglass or Thomas Jefferson, that their ideas we take for granted because at the time, because we've, we've been, we've lived with it. We're so used to these ideas. Yet at the time they were truly revolutionary. When Thomas Jefferson said, no, divine mandate mandate does not a government make. We will decide our own terms. When Frederick Douglass looked back at him and the 4th of July and says, what does that mean to me? And that's one of the reasons I love the 4th of July and I love America, because from those seeds, we got someone like Frederick Douglass who said, hold on a minute. Let me talk to you about your 4th of July. And he, he made Americans look in a mirror and say, do you really believe in freedom and independence and a government for the people when you literally own people? No, you do not. So we changed. We fought a war. We won that war. America is awesome. It does better and better every day. You want to talk about keeping America great? I'm down. Reform? Always a good idea. That's why America was great then and will be great, is great today and will be great in the future. So long as we maintain the idea that the greatness of America is our ability to recognize our faults and fix them, not burn it all to the ground. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastnews, and I will see you all then. I think they're reluctant to admit it. They don't want to say that the people killing each other in Atlanta and in these other cities are Black Lives Matter activists, far left extremists, Antifa types, whatever you want to call it. Rayshard Brooks, you know the story. He was shot and killed. He stole an officer's weapon, fired the taser at him, tried running, got shot. He was actually firing as he was running. I want to make sure that's clear. The officer was immediately uh, fired, arrested, charged with felony murder. What do you want? What more do these people want? Well, they burned the Wendy's down. Now they've been occupying it. This is not the same as Chaz, okay? Chaz in Seattle was a declared far left activist, extremist, occupation, whatever. But in Atlanta, there's been something similar. At this Wendy's parking lot and the surrounding parking lots, armed groups have been basically controlling this area. And we've already seen several people shot. Now it's getting worse. The other day I talked about this. An eight-year-old girl was shot and killed across the street from the Wendy's. There was an armed group of people guarding the parking lot, I suppose. When they tried driving in, they shot at the vehicle, killed a little girl. Yesterday, there was a triple shooting. Another man died. 
Now, they don't want to admit it. But what group of people is standing at the Wendy's with guns? It's not random people. It's the Black Lives Matter individuals, or at the very least, it's groups of people emboldened by the lack of police in this area. They did the same thing in Seattle. The mayor refused to bring in police to stop what these far leftists were doing. And what happened? People died. And they always lie about it. I am sick of the propaganda. I tell you what, man, I made a joking tweet about the woman in Seattle. You you heard the story, I'm sure. Woman in Seattle was, they were, they were were literally dancing on the highway. I forgot what the, the dance is called. There's a video of them literally doing some kind of shuffle. They're all wearing black. It's night. There's no lights. And they set up obstructions around a curve and a car came through and it hit two people. One of them has died. And these people just do not read. We're in serious trouble, man. I realized this the other day when I made this post saying we need to do better to teach our young people not to wear all black on a highway at night with objects obstructing view of view around a curve because women died because of it. And all of these lefties are like she was literally murdered because they're claiming the dude drove around a barricade to hit them. You see, what they're doing is that the journalists and media, these, these journalists don't actually have the mental capability to report on what's going on. I want to make sure I bring it back to what's happening in Atlanta, but I got to stress this point, man. When people said that there was a blockade in the street, the protesters put two vehicles up to make a blockade. When the man tried swerving to dodge it because he couldn't see, he came around a curve, he swerved to the shoulder, saw people in front of him, swerved to the left hit two people. Because he he swerved around the blockade, many journalists started reporting that he drove around a blockade to get on the highway because they didn't understand. Their brains just weren't strong enough. Now the left is pushing on a narrative that this guy, first thing they said was he was a white supremacist. It wasn't an accident. It was deliberate. He drove around the blockade to get on the highway. That's not true. The cops did not say that. The cops said they had set up their own vehicles on the highway. Then they said, well, you know, he was going the wrong way down the highway. Washington Post writes that. Not true. The police said they think he went up the exit ramp. So when you have 500 stories, none of them accurately talking about what's happening. None of these people watched the videos. You end up with people who just have no idea what's really going on in this country. And it becomes impossible to actually explain it to people. Because when I said to these people, like they comment, like, you know, he drove around a blockade to get on the highway. And I'm like, that's not true. And they're like, duh, here's NPR. And I'm like, why don't the people at NPR watch the videos or actually get a comment from the police? They misconstrue everything because they're just not smart enough to accurately convey what's going on. So let me tell you what's going on. We get that story. Okay. Now we can take a look at this. Look what Fox News writes. Atlanta mayor calls for citizens to stop shooting each other after murder of eight-year-old near Black Lives Matter protest site. I'm sorry, Fox News. It was at, at the Black Lives Matter protest site. At, at, at. Not near. Not to be fair. You know, I almost made the same mistake. I may have uh, actually talked about it in that regard because it was initially reported by the police, the 1200 block of Prior Street. In fact, it was quite literally at the protest site. It was across the street from Wendy's. It was the same area where people have been shot. It's not just the Wendy's. It's that area, that one street in between the two buildings. An eight-year-old girl was killed. And now we have uh, 
triple deadly triple shooting. Police investigate deadly triple shooting near Southwest Atlanta Wendy's. How is this different from the Chaz? How is it? How is this different? They didn't declare like the far left did in Seattle that they were occupying this zone as becoming autonomous. Armed groups just showed up and that's it. They burned it down and now it's theirs. There's no the, the, the cops, I suppose, aren't going to come in. People keep getting shot. Now, the mayor is basically saying enough is enough. They're going to come in. They're going to figure something out. But here we are once again. Hey, surprise, surprise, Democrat, Democrat controlled city. They refused to use the police. And now what do you have? You have a dead eight year old little girl. Take a look at this story. Atlanta police are investigating after a shooting left three people sh- uh, shot and one you mean injured and one victim dead. According to investigators, officers found 53 year old uh, found a 53 year old male victim suffering from gunshot wounds at 1192 Prior Road in southwest Atlanta around 720 p.m. Police confirm he died on the scene. A second victim appeared to have been grazed by a bullet and was taken to a hospital where they uh, where they were listed in stable condition. They're trying to figure out what's going on. The story was just updated, but I don't think we have any definitive answers. They said the third person was shot at the same location. So this is not even I mean, what is this? Two people exchanged gunshots. Why are these cities just just falling apart? The police are demoralized. It's what the far left wants. They want it harder to actually deal with the chaos. They want more chaos, instability. People get crazy, get angry. They make demands. People form armed factions. More shooting happens. They're trying to just knock everything down. And it's working. The father of the eight-year-old girl yesterday said, quote, they say black lives matter. You killed your own. Now that is fairly obvious what he's saying. Who is he talking about? He's talking about black lives matter activists. He is straight up blaming them for killing his daughter. Now media, can we be honest about what happens? You see, herein lies the big challenge. I'll be fair, right? Everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. The problem is news in this country has become so inept and lazy that we're, we're doomed. We're really doomed. The, the media is the problem. Listen, I've had conversations with people about the far left intersectionalism, and I've had some debates where they say that the real problem is the universities. Sure, that, that fosters this extremist leftist ideology, but the real issue, in my opinion, for regular people is the media. You get some kid who goes to school and believes some really dumb stuff. So long as you have an accurate media, an honest media telling you what's going on, you can resist this stuff as long as you know the truth. But the media is a combination of activists and lazy, inept, I don't know, idiots, I guess. They don't actually do any work. They don't care to do any work. They just rewrite what each other writes. They don't watch the videos. They don't seek comment. They don't do aggregation. So here I am. And I think it's really funny, right? People, uh, I've, I've had conversations with some lefty personalities and they're like, Tim, you get so much wrong. It's so annoying, like minor details, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, sure. Yeah, that's fair. Everybody does. All these journalists do. But how is it that I'm like one of a tiny, uh, I'm one person in a tiny fraction of people who actually does research on these stories? Is that why people say, you know, facetiously that I'm like the last journalist or whatever. I don't think that's necessarily fair or true. But people, when it comes to political commentary, will say like Tim's being honest or whatever. It's not about, I guess, but I think a lot of these people are just really, really dumb. 
Like I could not believe my eyes when I when I read the Washington Post saying video shows a man speeding the wrong way onto an exit ramp. I'm like, what? Talk about a psychotic game of telephone among these people. Did you even watch the video, dude? You can Google it. He did not. Now, listen, I've made similar mistakes, but when I do, when I, when I when, look right now, I've got, let's see, I've got, I've got four stories pulled up talking about this eight-year-old girl because I try to read as much as possible to really understand what's going on. And I'll just tell you to keep it in line with what we're, we're talking about. Black Lives Matter activists, extremists, what do you want to call them, have killed multiple people in the past few days. And the mayor's finally standing up. Okay. I've got, I got this story from uh, Daily Mail. I got this one from WSB TV. I got Fox 5 and I've got Fox News. I look at multiple sources. I look at videos and photos to try and figure out what really happened. I don't always do the best job. Okay. The other day we had that story of the woman in the Chipotle parking lot who drew a weapon and I didn't actually see the video. I was still rather fence sittery or whatever the word would be on whether or not she was right or wrong. I didn't draw a, a hard conclusion, but I could have done a better job. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'm perfect. I'm just shocked that we live in a world where you actually have the Washington Post and the New York Times do zero research on, on, on the bulk of their stories. And I'm just like, wow, it's impressive. You used to need three sources. You used to need to be able to say, I have three witnesses saying, here's what happened. And if you didn't have it, you didn't, you, you didn't report it. Today, it's not how things work. Just pump it out, pump it out. Whenever I, so I use NewsGuard. Most of you know this. It's a third party rating agency for news outlets. They say Fox News isn't responsible in gathering information and they don't handle the difference between opinion properly, but everything else is fine. It's not fake news. They do correct their errors and they do avoid deceptive headlines. They give other outlets a way better rating, obviously biased, but I make sure that I use certified sources to counter my bias and I make sure I read multiple sources. Rarely do I use non-certified outlets and rarely do I use sources that don't have multiple confirmations. I try to find independent confirmations. I did a big video about this once where I was talking about how like there was this story that about, I think it was about Ocasio-Cortez and it was like four iterations evolving on a game of telephone. It was like AOC said something like, I like cheese pizza. And then someone said, AOC discusses the most lavish, you know, uh, 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 extravagant dishes. Then the next one is like AOC is, you know, boasting about her fancy meals. And the last one was like, is AOC out of touch and has wealth rotted her mind? And it's like, that's, that's, the, that's the narrative. You, you break it all the way back down and you're like, dude, she was talking about pizza. So you got, you got to try to avoid this. And this is where we're at now. NPR reads the Washington Post and then they write a story and then they play a big game of telephone where they all write the same thing each other wrote, thinking they're all properly cited when they're citing each other. This is the problem with plagiarism. You know, someone just got fired from BuzzFeed for plagiarism, a guy who wrote fake news. All right. All right. Let's read the story. See what's going on in Atlanta, because I know this one took on a, I, I kind of ranted for a long time, but let's read. They say in an impassioned press conference Sunday night, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms issued a full throated call for citizens to stop shooting each other, shooting each other up on our streets. After an eight year old girl was shot and killed on the 4th of July, near a Wendy's that has become a flashpoint of Black Lives Matter protests, literally across the street. It was like this. It's the same area. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. We have talked about this movement that's happening across America and this movement in time when we have the ears and the interests of people across the country and across this globe who are saying they want to see change. But the difference in this moment in time with civil rights movement in the civil rights movement, there was def there was a defined common enemy. 
We're fighting the enemy within when we are shooting each other up on our streets. You shot and killed a baby. And there wasn't just one shooter. There were at least two shooters, an eight-year-old baby. If you want people to take us seriously and you don't want us to lose this movement, then we can't lose each other. It has to stop. You can't blame this on police officers. It's about people who shot a baby in a car. We're doing each other more harm than any officer on this force. You don't get it, do you? There is no stopping a broken machine. It is an avalanche. These people who shot this car up don't think they're the bad guys. The people in Chaz, the Chaz police, the security, when they shot up, according to one witness, over 300 rounds in a sustained volley for 10 plus minutes on an SUV, lighten that thing up, killing a 16 year old unarmed black kid and, and seriously injuring his 14 year old friend. Did they care? No, they picked the car clean. So the cops couldn't get in and couldn't investigate. Did they know who this person was? No. Did they care who it was? No. And when they walked up to the car, you can hear in the audio, the guy says, oh, you're still alive. He knew what he was looking at. That guy knew who he was shooting up. He walks up the car. He knows what he's seeing. You don't get it, do you, man? These people are just so stupid. They've read no history. And those that refuse to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Because humans are mostly predictable. I'm sorry, it's true. Not every human, but humans are mostly predictable. When you zoom out from far enough away, you can see the patterns. It's funny, it reminds me of like, they did these experiments where they put sugars in a petri, a petri dish and they put fungus and the fungus started creating lines, you know, connecting to the sugars or whatever. And it looks very much like a city when you zoom out. You can see the roadways, the highways, and how it brings resources into the city and stuff like that. It's predictable. It really is. Unless we learn the advantage that human beings have is the ability to pass down knowledge from one generation to the next. We're not necessarily smarter than the generations who came before, before us. And I've actually read that we're no smarter than early, you know, primitive man. We just know more. We've written things down and we can read them in books and say, now I know this, or we think we know it. There are certain things we know. There are certain things we believe, and we're constantly striving to improve. But these people don't read books. Our education system has failed, maybe on purpose. They're, they're actively tearing down statues. Just the other day in Rochester, somebody tore down a statue of Frederick Douglass, possibly the most offensive thing I have ever witnessed, someone tearing that down. I don't know who did it. I'm not going to pretend it was far left or Black Lives Matter. I have no idea. It seems likely, though. It seems likely that the person who would desecrate a statue of famed abolitionist Frederick Douglass. <laughs> yeah, probably the far left because they don't know. They don't care. But to be fair, we just don't know yet. That's why I'm not going to lead with it. But this is what we're seeing. You know, Trump comes out and says they want to erase our history. And what happens with Brian Stelter over at CNN? He just lies all day. I wonder how much of what we're seeing in the media is more about we have our, our media class in this country is a bunch of low intelligence, low tier, uh, low work ethic individuals. I, I look at someone like Brian Stelter and he does his show and I can only imagine. I don't think he's a stupid guy, but that would mean that he's willfully lying to people and misleading at people on what's going on. Maybe it's that he knows, you know, who butters his bread. So he, he just rags on Trump and Fox News. Basically, you know, CNN, the, the Ryan Seltzer's show has become the, the Fox News review show. That's what it is. I wonder why. Maybe it's just really, really dumb. Like maybe 
You know, there, there's this guy, and I'm not going to say his name because I don't, I don't like promoting a lot of people. Brian's got his own CNN show, so I'll call him out. But there's a, there's a high profile guy. He writes for Newsweek. And in response to Donald Trump's speech, he said, why is Trump talking about people trying to destroy our history? Is he talking about the Confederacy? Oh, oh my God, blah. And then people started responding like, dude, people literally tore down Grant, Jefferson and Washington and abolitionists and now, and now Frederick Douglass. And he was like, well, I mean, if you're talking about just like some fringe people tearing this down, what do you think every statue being torn down was? Why would you differentiate between a group of random weirdos tearing down a Confederate statue and the same group of random weirdos tearing down a Jefferson statue? It's not a small group of random weirdos. It's the same political faction, the same ideology doing the exact same thing. The reality was he was too stupid. These people have no idea what's going on. They live in a bubble where they all look at each other and say, orange man, bad, pass it on. Then the next guy goes, orange man, bad, pass it on. And they go in a big old circle. And then eventually it's like someone says, hey, Trump is kind of bad, pass it on. The next person says, Trump is really bad. Then Trump is the worst. Then Trump couldn't possibly be, be any worse than he, than he is. Then Trump is literally Hitler. Trump is worse than Hitler. And it goes on in a big spiral. That's why I liken it to someone flushing a toilet, because it just spirals downward until eventually into the sewer. And that's what it is. When you have these left wing journalists who are all right now running around like hooting chickens because they think Donald Trump is talking about defending Confederate statues, it shows you they literally have no idea what's going on in this country. Man, and it makes it really, really hard to explain to people why these things happen, why a little girl died, why the father said, they say Black Lives Matter, you killed your own. Very, very clearly, the father is talking about the Black Lives Matter activists. Would be nice if Fox News even did a little bit better. I don't tell you, man. You know, I, I, I reflect on what I talk about and what I do all the time, all the time. And I've, I've had conversations with people about self-fulfilling prophecies. Hey, if someone says X is going to happen and then you talk about it, people will go do it. It's like, look, man, I understand responsibility, power, influence, all these things. I'm going to talk about what I think is important. When I see people tear down a Confederate statue and the media says, who cares? Then I see the same people tear down a Jefferson statue and the media says, what? When did that happen? I have to wonder how they missed it. And I think it's because they're in a bubble and they all just pat each other on the back. But this makes it impossible to actually explain to people what's going on. I'll give you another example. California recently voted to repeal their civil rights legislation. Straight up, that's it. There's no interpretation. There's no greater analysis. Quite literally, that's all you need to know. It was called Prop 209. It was repeal Prop 209, the Affirmative Action Amendment. Literally, the, the proposal is to strike the text that prevents the state from discriminating on the basis of race, ethnicity, sex, color, you know, yada, yada. Yet, if you Google search it, the media frames it only as the Democrat has framed it. That's weird to me. Has, have none of these journalists actually read the proposal? Have any of them actually gone to Ballotpedia or looked at the text of the proposal? No, quite literally, no. They get a quote from the Democrat saying, by, by, by uh, voting yes on this, we will bring back equal rights. And people are like, oh, OK, and they'll write that same story. Then I'm talking to my friends who are many of them being indoctrinated. And they're like, the media said this is about helping affirmative action. And I said, read the bill. Well, I mean, the bill's called the affirmative action bill. Read the text of the bill. Well, I, I don't understand what this means. Ugh. Our journalists, our, our, our journalists are dead. You know, journalism is it's, itself is dead. The media has failed. And now no one has any idea what's really going on. 
How do we fix this? I don't know. I don't think it's possible. There are many people who try. But even though I say I, knew, I use NewsGuard, they're heavily biased. And I've complained to them a lot. How is it that you give Media Matters green check marks across the board when they literally just make things up all the time? And you'll give the Daily Wire X's across the board for giving their opinions on things. That's the world we live in. The political bias is America is, is it's really falling apart, man. This is not the Chaz, what we're seeing in Atlanta, but it may as well be, may as well be. We'll see if they actually do anything about it. But I love how she's like, if you want people to support your movement, why would I support your movement after all this, all the people you've killed? What are we at now? Like 20 people dead? It's insane, man. It's absolutely insane. I'm getting sick of it. And you know, some people are saying, you got to talk about something else. You know, it's like, listen, I talk about what I care about and that's it. I talk about what I care about. I talk about when I turn on the news and I see, I see these stories. I go on Twitter. I see what people are talking about. I see small stories. I see big stories and I choose. You know, I didn't, I didn't do a bunch of segments on the Donald Trump, Russia, Afghanistan conflict thing where it's like Putin wanted a bounty on soldiers because these stories always end up being fake anyway. And why does it matter? Trump wants to pull our troops out of, out of, out of Afghanistan. Why do I care if Putin wants a bounty on him? Well, because Trump, you know, should have, should, should have told us and, and called out Putin. You, why? So that he could start a war? How about he says Russia is targeting our troops. They shouldn't be in Afghanistan in the first place. Problem solved. I'll withdraw our troops from Afghanistan. Now, nah. now they're trying to block him from doing it. I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. There's no real research in the news industry anymore. None. I got things wrong. 100%. I'll put corrections whenever I get the chance. Whenever I know and I see an error, I'll fix it. But these journalists don't do that. They write a story, they press print, they walk away. Nobody wants to fix it. I have sent so many inquiries to news outlets asking them about false and incorrect stories, and they always just ignore it. That's the name of the game. They got no incentive to fix it because no one will hold them accountable. There you go. It's because nobody, they, they know. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me wrap it up with this thought, man. If you hire a plumber because you got a leak and the plumber breaks the pipe, you're going to be like, yo, you made everything worse. There's water coming out of my floor now. Fix it. And, and they can tell you to your face, it, that, it is fixed. It, that's the way it's supposed to be. You're going to be like, bro, I don't want water on my floor. Clean it up. Fix the pipe. I don't care what you think it's supposed to do. Make the pipe stop having water come out of it. Okay, fine, fine, fine. The plumber can't lie to you about whether or not they fixed the pipe. They're doing a job. Journalists can. You just have to hope the journalists are giving you the correct information. So imagine it this way. You walk, you, you, you can't see the pipe. And the, and, the, and the journalist, like the plumber, just says, no, 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 trust me, trust me. I, I did my job. I did what I was supposed to do. And they say, okay. And there's water all over your floor and your house is flooding and you can't tell. That's journalism. They don't do the job. They don't fix the problem. They're not doing what they're paid to do. So there it is. We are living in a flooded house, not realizing it because we are not journalists. The average person, I mean. Uh, the average person will read the story and just believe it's true. And everything's broken because of it. But I guess I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. In Chicago, over 800 people who have been arrested for nonviolent protest-related offenses had their charges dropped. In New York, we heard the DA was doing basically the same thing. And in Fort Worth, they leveled up and said people who had been arrested on rioting charges were having their charges dropped as well. This is the morality policing that I often talk about. And now we see the next iteration. The police are looking for two Trump supporters who painted over 
a Black Lives Matter mural in California with black paint just hours after residents finished it. I have a question. What gives you the right to paint a political message on a street? Now, I know, I know you want to have an argument about public buildings and maybe they could commission a mural of some sort. Sure. But if you paint something in the street and then someone paints something over it, would that not be the exact same speech? Well, they argue that this uh, this mural was sanctioned and I can. OK, sure, I'm fine with that. But I do believe if people then want to paint a message in the street, the city must open up the streets now because you've made them public forums. Of course, that's not the biggest issue here. Fine. Look, if you want to have a Black Lives Matter mural on the street, I really don't care. I really don't. The issue here is that, well, these people are likely going to be facing some kind of charges for defacing the mural. How many statues have been torn down in the past, I don't know, month? How many times have we heard the police going and looking out, you know, hunting down these individuals who committed this vandalism and this, this destruction? How many people were arrested for rioting who got their charges dropped? Yes, morality policing. Their message is acceptable. Their outrage is acceptable. Their vandalism is acceptable. There are many people on social media now saying, oh, no, this is not this is wrong. These Trump supporters, these bigots are destroying, are vandalizing, are defacing our images, our symbols. Well, what do you think your rioters are doing? It's the exact same thing. This is the problem with a moralistic government. You cannot determine which group is allowed and which isn't. Well, you're not supposed to be able to, but this is where we are. And now it's actually uh, one-upping once again, because apparently after this, some Black Lives Matter protesters showed up and someone actually pulled a gun on, on, on this guy, on this, this guy who was skateboarding, I honestly have no idea why we'll read this story. But here's what really offends me. Is this what you're so concerned about? Is this the big story? Apparently it is. Do you know what's not getting attention among most of these activists? This vandals desecrated Frederick Douglass, the one of the leaders of the abolitionist movement an escaped former slave who worked my understanding with with Harriet Tubman on the Underground Railroad. That's what the statue was commemorating. That was was torn down and someone dragged the statue near the river trying to to destroy it. And I guess they they were able to find it. And I don't know if it can be repaired. Frederick Douglass was awesome. Why would you tear him down? Now, we don't know who did it. We don't. Perhaps it was a white supremacist, as they would like to say. But I got to tell you, man, how many hoaxes have there been? Donald Trump recently came out condemning Bubba Wallace over at NASCAR, saying, have you apologized yet for that noose hoax? Of course, the media is defending Wallace. But yeah, Bubba Wallace at, at NASCAR said they found, you know, someone found a noose in his garage. It was a garage pull rope. Whenever something happens, they claim it was a white supremacist over in Seattle. When that car hit those protesters, they said it was a deliberate right wing attack. Many far leftists are claiming that the people inside the Chaz who were that, 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 that who died, well, the people who died were killed by white supremacists. That's what they always do. And it's not true. It's just not. I'll tell you what, if I had to make a bet, I'd say the far left tore down Frederick Douglass for no reason other than they want to destroy American history. The, menta- the, the, the argument they had over tearing down the statue of Lincoln, there's a Lincoln memorial. 
And it's Lincoln standing over a freed slave who's got broken chains and he's rising up. It was paid for by freed slaves honoring Abraham Lincoln. And their argument is there shouldn't be a symbol showing the white man above a black person. I can understand the sentiment, but that's the mentality they take continually and expand upon, which brings us now to Frederick Douglass. There, there, shouldn't, have, there shouldn't need to be abolitionists, I suppose, right? There should have never have. He sh- Frederick Douglass should never he even have had to make any of those arguments for freedom and liberty. That's probably where they're going with it. And it's probably why, in my opinion, it would be the far left who tore that statue down. Well, let's see what's going on with this mural on these Trump supporters. The Daily Mail reports Trump supporters paint over a city sanctioned Black Lives Matter mural in California with black paint just hours after residents finished it on the 4th of July. The Martinez Police Department announced they were looking for an unidentified white male and female after they ruined a city sanctioned Black Lives Matter mural with black paint. The incident began when the couple appearing to wear Make America Great Again apparel arrived at the mural in front of the city courthouse in downtown Martinez on July 4th. Footage shows the woman pouring a can of black paint over part of the mural and using a paint roller to cover the bright yellow letters. Now, now the first thing I notice, and I, I just got to say this, she's actually just painting the, the, the B and the L black. You can still see that there is a B and an L, especially from above. Not, not really getting rid of it. You'd have to paint over you know, an entire square or something to actually get rid of the letters, but you know, whatever. When one witness asks the woman, what's wrong with you? Her male companion replies, we're sick of the narrative. That's what is wrong. The narrative of police brutality, the narrative of oppression, the narrative of racism, it's a lie. The man who was recording the incident then points to the Black Lives Matter sign and calls it racism. An argument is sparked between the man and the onlookers while the woman continues to damage the mural. There is no oppression. There is no racism, the man says. It's a leftist lie from the media. You can see here in these photos, looks like he's wearing, uh, I think it says four more years on his shirt. The woman then becomes enraged at the witnesses and exclaims, keep that S in effing New York. It's not happening in my town. The woman appears to be referencing a number of Black Lives Matter murals approved across all five boroughs in New York City. If New York City, if DC, if these cities and these, these jurisdictions can rename things, why can't anyone else? If you have a right to paint on a public street, why don't they have a right to also paint on the public street? You see the issue here? If somebody paints over this and changes the message, you could argue it's a free speech form. Now, of course, they were permitted to do it. And the argument would be the city would have to open up a different street. Or, or I'd imagine that's the arc. That would be the argument. Hey, this is a city sanctioned mural, right? Therefore, if they wanted to paint, they could have a different street. But alas, there's a finite amount of streets and space for which you could paint on, in which case I, I personally don't agree. The way I see it is if painting on a public street is free speech, then it's free speech. It doesn't matter if you're supporting or opposing Black Lives Matter. Why would the police go after them? Well, let's keep reading. Mayor Bill de Blasio announced that one would be painted directly in front of Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue, a move that angered the president but it was delayed last week for unspecified reasons. Maybe they realize there's a First Amendment issue because now you're going to have everybody across New York painting in the street arguing, sue me. It's free speech. You made public streets, spe- uh, public streets speech forums. So shouldn't anybody be allowed to go now and paint any street anywhere and under that argument? Maybe not. You know, the city likes to say there are certain permitted areas and you can't protest in certain areas, but I'm sorry, man. I, I, think that's a, I think you would lose that in the long run. That's, that's, that's something you've approved. 
Several such murals are painted on roadways across the country to show solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement after the killing of George Floyd. That is state sanctioned political messaging. We got a First Amendment, man. At one point, the man chimes in. No one wants Black Lives Matter here and all lives matter. The Martinez Police Department said that it dispatched to the the Black Lives Matter mural after people reported the incident, but the couple had already fled the area. Community members on Sunday returned to the mural and repainted it. The community spent a considerable amount of time putting the mural together, only to have it painted over in a hateful and senseless manner, the department said. Okay, how about I say that this public street available to all people and paid for by the taxpayer was painted over with a hateful and racist message? You see how this works? It's logic. But so long as we have state sanctioned morality and morality policing, this is what you are going to get. I think it's hilarious when we see all these leftists arguing cancel culture isn't real and stuff like this because they act like things don't escalate. Case in point, John Oliver, when Trump said, where do we go next if you tear down the Confederates, George Washington, Jefferson, and Trump was right. And John Oliver says, no, no, we'll eventually stop. No, you won't. No, they won't. If they can do this now, it will just escalate. And don't be surprised if people retaliate. So authorities released a photo. I guess these people are actually going to be in trouble. And yeah, we'll, we'll see how things play out, I guess. I, I, I can't believe how much they've written on this. It was a public art project, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the escalation, all right? Man pulls gun on Black Lives Matter protester after Trump supporters deface mural. A man has been arrested in Martinez, California after reportedly pulling a gun on protesters protecting a Black Lives Matter mural that had previously been vandalized by Trump supporters. Speaking to local media, one protester, protester described how he saw the man drive past the demonstration yelling all lives matter and flipping us off. He followed the man's car in a skateboard, at which point the man allegedly made a U-turn and pointed a gun in the protester's face. Police who were at the scene pulled the man over to arrest him. He has not yet been identified. Pictures from the scene show him wearing a cap bearing the American flag, but with stripes apparently replaced by bullets. The incident comes a day after the vandalization. This we understand. Take a look at this suite. This woman defaced the Black Lives Matter mural at Contra Costa Community Courthouse on July 4th. We will repaint that mural and you will not silence our collective voice for justice. What about the justice for the people who had their statues torn down? No, not the Confederates. Jefferson, Grant, Washington, abolitionists being defaced in, where, where was it? I believe in Wisconsin and in Philadelphia. Where's justice for any of that? Where's the outrage for any of that? You know what the problem is? The left sets the tone and the right just argues against it. It is always on the left's terms. These are their murals. You damage them. The right says, no, that's not fair. The left destroys statues. The right says, hey, that's not fair. The right isn't taking any action. They are sitting back while all of this happens and then complaining about it after the fact. It's how they handle basically everything. Let's be honest. Journalism. How many conservative news outlets are there? There's a decent amount, right? How many left wing news outlets are there? The overwhelming majority. Conservatives mostly just comment on the left wing narrative. The left will create a a, a narrative. They will say this is what happened and the right will comment on it. It's just what they do. It's what we get. And that's why we end up with no one caring that Frederick Frederick Douglass had a statue torn down. Now, this one is deeply offensive. It should be offensive to everybody. Look, they tore down Grant, and that should have been the first red flag. I mean, they're all red flags, to be honest. But he's the general who led the Union forces against the Confederacy. When Trump condemns this, what does the left say? Trump's defending the Confederacy. 
They tore down abolitionists. They desecrated abolitionists in Philly. And now Frederick Douglass. Let me read you this story. Let's see what's going on. This Trump, Trump responds. This shows these anarchists have no bounds. President Trump hits out after statue of black abolitionist Frederick Douglass is hacked from its base in Rochester and damaged beyond repair on the 168th anniversary of his 4th of July address. The statue, which was ripped from its base in Rochester, New York state, is believed to have been the first monument in the nation erected to honor a black American. Oh, you're getting me angrier by the minute. Seriously. Why? They're mad about someone painting a mural in the street. It's temporary, but there's no collective outrage. Where are the tweets? Where's the woke outrage over Frederick Douglass being torn down? You know what, man? I'm angry by the, about this. I will complain about this. I'll complain about all the statues. I will shrug for the most part the Confederate ones and argue they should not be violently removed. I think they should be removed peacefully. And I think it should be done by vote. I think our founding fathers and our heroes should remain. I like Trump's garden of heroes. And I think Frederick Douglass, of all people, should have been protected. Instead, he was, his statue was destroyed. It was hacked from its plinth by Maplewood Park on Sunday. And that's the 160th anniversary of Douglass's famous Independence Day speech. Police discovered the statue dumped at the brink of the Genesee River Gorge, about 50 feet from its pedestal, with damage to the base and a finger. It is not clear who the perpetrators are. Sure, maybe, maybe it's white supremacists. Sure, I have no idea. I really doubt it. I'll entertain it because we just don't know. But I'll say to this, where's the collective outrage? That's what I want to see. President Donald Trump responded to the vandalism in a tweet this afternoon, stating, statue of Frederick Douglass torn down in Rochester. This shows that these anarchists have no bounds. Appears that they found it. They removed the statue from where it was dumped at the brink of the Genesee River Gorge, about 50 feet from its pedestal. I'd like to see it repaired. They say it was beyond repair. Then build a new one. Build a bigger one. Make it 50 feet tall. Make it massive. They got one in Lenin, Seattle. They got a statue of Lenin in Seattle. Nobody's torn that down. But they would tear down Frederick Douglass? These people, man. The statue stood over the Underground Railroad, where Douglass and Harriet Tubman helped shuttle slaves to freedom, said police. In Rochester on July 5th, 1852, Douglass gave the speech, What to the Slave is the 4th of July, in which he called the celebration of liberty a sham in a nation that enslaves and oppresses its black citizens. And it was because of his words and his activism that we advanced as a country, that we became better, that we enshrined more civil rights. A civil war was fought. Many people lost their lives. I believe it was one of the bloodiest battles, if not the bloodiest battle in history. And now, 168 years later, we are continuing to strive towards granting civil rights and creating a nation of by and for the people. We got a lot. We, we got a ways to go. We're always improving. And he is one of he, he is a founding father of liberty, not one of the founding fathers of this country, but one of the proponents who took the seeds and watered that plant. The seeds of liberty planted by the founding fathers watered and blossomed under people like Frederick Douglass. This is what I re- what really, really offends me. I believe in liberty. I believe in freedom, individual rights for everybody. And he's one of the greatest people to ever advocate for such a thing, confronting the hypocrisy of a nation that would argue for freedom and liberty and had slaves. And guess what? We are the winners of that of that conflict. We are the ones who proved that this country would uphold those words. 
there, there was the, the famous quote by him, uh, by, by Frederick Douglass, when he told many people in one of these speeches, will you stand up to your own words of your constitution? And he was right. And a, a, there was a fight about it. And many people paid the ultimate price to guarantee that those words were met. You see, I look at historical figures like uh, Jefferson, like Washington. Then I look at awful horse, ho- ho- uh, historical figures like Confederate leaders, like the Nazis, like Stalin. And I think about why do we revere some with all this awful history and condemn others with awful history as well? Many people try to defend Karl Marx saying, well, we know that he was racist, but his ideas, blah, 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 trying to use the same argument that we use when we defend the founding fathers. It's funny. They say the founding fathers should come down. Why? They're slave owners. Okay, well, Karl Marx was an overt racist. Don't make that argument again. But they then say, but Karl Marx's ideas, it was, it was a sign of the times. Founding, oh, hold on. I'm going to stop you right there. Listen, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, many of the, many of the founding fathers and many Americans uh, participated in the horrific uh, practice of slavery. Horrifying, truly nightmarish. They did. But they planted seeds that created a world that was better. So we look back at those who planted the seeds to make a better world with reverence. We, we love that they did this. And from those seeds, people like Frederick Douglass were born and advocated further. And from those seeds, Martin Luther King Jr. Then I look at, say, you know, Stalin, Marx. They were trying to plant seeds of destruction and chaos and pain and suffering. That's why we don't, we don't support them. They were stopped. Their ideas were trash. The Soviet Union was a nightmare. The seeds they planted caused mass death and starvation and discrimination. Now, a lot of these people, leftists try to say, oh, but the Soviet Union actually had many civil rights advances. Yeah, sure. And, 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 the, and the hundreds of millions of people who died. The Cultural Revolution brutally in, in, in China brutally tortured and murdered people. These people were planting seeds of pain and suffering and authoritarianism. But these people, the founding fathers themselves, with the clarifying words of people like Frederick Douglass, people like Harriet Tubman, they were planting seeds of liberty of libertarianism, the right of the individual. These are the good guys. I saw a post. They said, do you want to know how you you can find if you can figure out if you're the good guy or the bad guy in history? The bad guys tended to burn books, ban books, attack people. Yeah, the good guys uh, tended to stand up for free speech, defending individuality, the right of the uh, uh, the rights to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. The bad guys sought to impose their will on you. Now, I know they say history is written by the victors, right? But the Soviet Union, they existed for what, like 100 years? And they were the bad guys the entire time. People in their own country hated them. It's why they collapsed. Now, of course, you can argue that the United States has people who hate them too. But typically, freedom wins. Liberty wins. Don't let the leftists confuse you. They like to say things like, Throughout history, it was the left. It was the progressives who won. Not true. Throughout history, it was those who fought for freedom and liberty who won. You know why? Because we have the ability to adapt. Those who are free and function on merit can see the the, the truly skilled and honorable succeed faster, stronger, better than the control economies. The people who seek to impose their will over others have an advantage. They cheat. They lie. That's a distinct advantage for us, the people who believe in liberty. But the advantage we have is that meritocracy will breed strength. And we 
the people who believe in liberty have always ended up winning in the end. And that's where we are today. Going all the way back in time, as far as you can, a liberty tended to win. Civil rights and liberty will still win. And those who seek to manipulate and divide us, I believe, will fail. But I got to say, it is scary sometimes. It's scary to see people like Frederick Douglass ripped from his base while people scream that you deface their mural. But this should be the best example to you explaining exactly why they're the bad guys. Not only is Frederick Douglass a symbol of freedom, opposing slavery, he's a he's a symbol of liberty winning. And that's why they tear him down. They do not want you to be free. They try to erase history because once you forget how things were, they can trick you. They can trick your children into adhering to nightmarish policies to be enslaved mentally, physically, whatever. That's what they're fighting for. Marxism is not freedom. These people are are monsters. And this should be your evidence. Now, again, I'll preface this. We don't know who, who tore down Frederick Douglass, but we know it was the far left that tore down the abolitionists in, in, in Wisconsin to face the abolitionist in Philadelphia, Jefferson, Washington, etc. So why should I believe otherwise? It's part it's it's their MO. I hope I hope liberty prevails once again. But the, the price of freedom is high and people have to be willing to pay that price. In the Civil War, many people did. And guess what? Freedom won. We'll see how things play out. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net. And I will see you then. We are in some kind of civil war. The big problem is that people keep expecting civil war to look like it used to look in the United States hundreds, 100 plus years ago or how it looked in foreign countries. But the reality is technology has changed, culture, culture has changed, and we are in a civil war now. It may become hot. Maybe it's a cold civil war. Maybe hot civil wars on the horizon. Maybe the violence and the, and the people rampaging through the streets is the hot civil war. It doesn't matter. The point is, we're here. Will it become extremely violent? I'm not entirely convinced in the sense that like you'll have factions marching through the streets, but I think we're in it. And I don't believe that people will accept the results of the election, no matter what happens, because they didn't in 2016. But I think it's important to point out that what we're seeing right now is a cold civil war in the sense that we have warring factions essentially trying to gain control of the hearts and minds of the people. We're at the forming ranks phase. It may become hot. I don't know. I don't care if you're like, I roll, stop being sensationalist. No, you got to stop, man. You, you really listen. They're talking about taking down the entire Thomas Jefferson Memorial in its entirety now. I talked about this on my main channel over at TimCast.net. If you haven't seen it, went up at four. Take a look at this tweet. I want to I walk you through some stuff and point out how it's happening. And if you don't pay attention and don't take this seriously, well, then so be it. Your, your worldview, your beliefs, your politics will be gone. Maybe you don't have any, maybe you don't care. That's fine. But it's time to stop pretending. Brandon Morse of Red State said, we're in a civil war. We just haven't come to terms with it yet. There is a very real siege going on by people who are trying to undermine our system and replace it with a socialist one. And they're gaining more and more ground every day. Dana Lash responded, they always said it was a revolution. They never lied about it. Some on the right just didn't or still don't want to believe it. Brandon responded, we've got to get rid of this. It can't happen here mentality. It has happened here. It's happening again. And we're just letting it. Yep. That's the old famous story from the Civil War. Nobody thought it would happen. And then it did. 
Take a look at this tweet from B, uh, Brian Dean Wright. He says, diverse countries remain whole only when they share an identity and a purpose. Lose that cohesion like Yugoslavia in the late eight, 1980s, and the entire nation collapses into competing tribes engaged in attacks and revenge. America's left is pushing us towards that horrific end. And he's quote tweeting someone posting about Frederick Douglass being torn down. I know, I know, I've talked about Frederick Douglass quite a bit today because the dude really was awesome. And this is seriously a step so far over the line. I don't even know the line was. The left has just gone off the rails. Let me explain to you the severity of where we are at. And I'm going to start by showing you this. Brookings.edu. They say Donald Trump fakes history in order to divide us from Tom Wheeler. Now, Tom is either lying to you because he wants to foment some kind of hard civil conflict, or he's just really dumb. And I got to say, I think at a certain point, you have to assume this stuff is kind of intentional. The reason is you can just read the New York Times if you truly want to understand what Trump is talking about, what he's trying to defend in terms of his speech on the 4th of July. And I can only assume that there are many really, really stupid people who don't actually read the news. But I think many of these political operatives are absolutely trying to foment some kind of civil war. Take a look at this. Let me read you the story. And then I'm going to show you how they lie and manipulate to gain ground. Like I said, we are in the forming ranks phase. But it's kind of like, you know, you're playing dodgeball and you're like, I want Ricky on my team. Okay, then I want Jim. You don't want to be the person who ends up with the last picked person, right? You want to make sure you have as many people on your side as possible. Maybe that will avoid a hot civil war. I don't know. But take a look at this. Quote, our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children, Trump said in his pre-Independence Day rally in front of Mount Rushmore. He reprised the same themes on the White House lawn the following day, in the midst of a national catharsis on race and social justice, in front of a monument to great American leaders, and then on the lawn of the iconic symbol of American leadership. Trump chose a dog whistle message to stoke the us versus them, that has become his stock and trade. Dog whistle, what does that mean? They're implying that Trump is signaling to white supremacists. It wasn't a new message, just new venues. At his last rally in Tulsa, Trump used similar rhetoric. They want to demolish our heritage to describe the ongoing debate over removing statues to Confederate figures. And there's the lie. This is how they're manipulating you to make sure you join their side. They don't want you to know what they're actually doing. Donald Trump called out our statues of Jefferson, Washington, Grant, and Hans Christian Hegg being torn down. I just showed you Frederick Douglass was torn down. So what do they do? They lie. And they will tell you it's Confederates. They're lying to you. That's not true. I just showed you Frederick Douglass. Was that not enough? Please let me show you them calling for the removal of Thomas Jefferson's memorial. They are not talking about Donald Trump is not talking about Confederates. So why would Brookings tell you Confederates? It's possible. He's just really dumb. This guy's like really dumb. I don't buy it. I really don't. At a certain point, I will not attribute malice. Uh, uh, I will not attribute uh, incompetence to that which can be explained by malice. The old, the old saying goes, Hanlon's razor, never attribute to malice that which can be explained by incompetence. At a certain point, incompetence becomes a conspiracy. These people all can't be that dumb. Certainly Wheeler reads the New York Times to know there's a there's an article from today saying 
I'm a direct descendant of Thomas Jefferson. Take down his memorial. Okay. Okay. Now this was written on the same day. Perhaps Mr. Wheeler did not yet read the New York Times. It's not the first time we've, we've seen these articles. It's not the first time these stories have come out. Why it was only about a week or so ago over in the New York Times, they wrote, yes, even George Washington, our heroes, our leaders, our founding fathers. Trump is talking about keeping those images true, holding that idea of America. Wheeler is lying to you to make you think that Donald Trump is propping up the Confederacy. He's not. Nobody, look, there are some people who like it. Sure, fine. But Trump isn't, isn't propping that up. Trump announced a garden of heroes, statues to people we respect and not a Confederate among them. They go on to say, this time he doubled down. In his first quote above, he made four specific assertions that he attributed to a left-wing cultural revolution. Let's look at each of those claims, especially as they relate to the matter that continues to haunt the nation, the symbolism of Confederate statues and the naming of military bases for Confederate figures. Wipe out our history. The statues of Confederate soldiers may be part of our history, but not in the way Donald Trump sees that history. These men were traitors, and their celebration is a a reminder to black Americans uh, that the oppression for which they fought is still alive. You see how you see what he's done? He made you believe Trump was talking about Confederates. And from there, he has now created a widely, wildly different narrative. Trump said, Jefferson, Washington, Grant, etc. So what does he do? He plants the seed of the Confederacy. And from there, he misleads you. A few years ago, he says he was making a presentation on leadership lessons of civil war. Now he's going on to this big, huge thing about the civil war. Look at this. Defame our heroes. Donald Trump's least favorite word, it would seem, is loser. He frequently weaponizes it against those with whom he disagrees. It is particularly strange, therefore, that the heroes he seeks to aggrandize are the losers of the civil war. Trump never said that. Now, he talked about not tearing down Confederate statues because what's next? Jefferson, Washington, etc. These people, I believe, are, man, they're evil people. It seems like there are two ideologies competing right now, and I'm worried. I'm worried the good guys might lose. Now, I don't think Donald Trump is necessarily a good guy. I think he's kind of a nasty dude, but he's certainly fighting uh, uh, for the good, like for the good guys, which are the founding fathers of this country. Criticize Trump all you all you want. He's not a ba- he's not he's Trump's bad in many ways, but he's not that bad. Right. I look at Trump from a, a rather like neutral perspective. There are things to complain about things that I like that he says. I certainly don't think he's the bad guy. I think they're the bad guys. And that's what worries me. I didn't think it would come to the point where I would have to choose between Trump, who I didn't really like, and literal evil. The reason why I say evil, and I'm, and I'm somewhat reluctant to use those terms, to use terms like that. Donald Trump lies. He does. They all do. He lies about dumb things. He's also really honest in weird ways. That's why I'm rather neutral on him. But when it comes to the conversation around what's happening in this country, there are honest people who will tell you that our heroes are being destroyed, and there are liars who would manipulate you for, for gain. They would steal from you through deception and trickery. That's what they're doing here. So yeah, we are in a civil war. And there's one faction that says this country is evil and racist and Marxism and, and, cap- and capitalism must be destroyed and Marxism is the only way. They seek to institute morality police who demand you, you bend the knee to their, to their religion, intersectionalism. That is evil. That is not freedom. That is not liberty. 
That is not what this country was all about. And that's why they want to destroy it. And that's why they lie. Because Confederates weren't heroes. They lost. They were losers. Trump didn't say that about them. He was talking about actual heroes, like the garden of heroes. He actually named the people. With Trump naming these heroes, why would Wheeler, why would Brookings, why would they do this? Because they want to trick you into supporting them so they can subvert our actual history. That is why I think we are in a civil war. We are just forming ranks. And it worries me that a lot of people are eating up the propaganda. Trump is just your regular old America. Hoo-ha, yeah. But there are good things about America that must be protected. These other people are fringe weirdos who believe crazy things for crazy reasons. And I don't believe they actually have a cohesive thought process. I don't believe their ideology makes sense. They are a chaotic, destructive force. Start paying attention to how the media manipulates because we are in some kind of civil war. Maybe it ends on the cold front, meaning it just ends with Trump winning or losing. Maybe it becomes hot. I don't know. Maybe it's already hot and we're just in the early stages. But pay attention. I'll leave it there. Got a couple more segments coming up in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Well, the New York Times finally admits it. Are protests unsafe? What experts say may depend on who's protesting what. Public health experts decried the anti-lockdown protests that sprang uh, that last spring as dangerous gatherings in a pandemic. Health experts seem less comfortable doing so now that the marches are against racism. I want to read you this story, but I'm going to give a quick shout out to researcher, scientist, Corey Clark. You can follow her on Twitter at I'm hard Corey. She's the director of academic engagement for Heterodox Academy, which you should also definitely be checking out because Heterodox Academy, smart people, good ideas. Corey referenced this and said, Kahan, 2012, participants who watched identical videos of protests disagreed on key facts about the nature of the protests, depending on their ideological worldview. Now, I believe what this study did was it showed you a general neutral protest. And then depending on your ideology, be it hierarchical communist, individual communist, etc., you had a different positive or negative view on things. But I think what we're seeing now, that's, that's really important research that I think lends itself to what we're seeing now with COVID, with the protests, with church And here's where we can really break things down. What does this mean? It means that when someone says the Black Lives Matter protests are A-OK, it's because they are NPCs, as it were, unable to truly understand what they're saying because they're blind to their own biases and ideologies. Now, people like to say that I'm unbiased. I think I have my biases. But actually, upon looking at this, I think it is fair to say that Bias may be on a scale of, let's, let's say a scale from one to 100, one being the least, 100 being the most. I'm probably less biased than most people. This is the way I can explain this. I've defended the Black Lives Matter protests and the anti-lockdown protests. They both have a right to protest. I used to be more critical, uh, more, more, I was more in favor of gun control issues until people said that we want speech control issues. And I said, ah, makes sense. I get your point. Point accepted. If you truly are unbiased, you would recognize these, these issues. You cannot allow one group of people to paint Black Lives Matter in the street and then cry for the police when someone paints something over it. If painting in the street is free speech, it's free speech for everyone. But what are we seeing now in our government, in our politics? 
there is a bias in favor of the left, which is going to get people killed. And now they're complaining about the the rise of covid cases. It's worse than it's ever been, they say. Why? Well, they refuse to admit it's them protesting. And so they say it's people. It must be people going to bars because I can do no wrong. Well, the logic certainly hits them at some point. And they say, well, well, we we wear masks. We were wearing masks. That proves it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't prove anything. It's insane. Even if these mass protests were all wearing masks, and most of them are, you can see you're, you're hard pressed to find people in this photo who aren't wearing masks. There's one, one, one woman right there with no mask, no mask, no mask, no mask. You can find them. Okay. And that means even with a mask, there is transmission. So you're going to have to try and convince me that in this picture, even with masks, no transmission. Oh, spare me. Your ideology is blinding you. These people have gone insane. They've adopted such a fringe, hardcore religion. They cannot see reality anymore. Science is meaningless. Gender isn't real, they say. And everything seems to be falling apart. This is what happens when you get a powerful, institutionally empowered new religion. It's why the founding fathers wanted a separation between church and state to certain degrees. One of the reasons was just to protect people's ability to worship as they saw fit. And we shouldn't have religion in the state because these people and I, we we certainly believe in different things. The problem is I can look at this and say, yes, you're going to spread COVID. They can't. They will look at a small group of people at church and say they're spreading COVID while blind to what they're doing. And that's the problem. How can we have functioning policy in this country if these people can't even see what they're doing? Blind to their own side's faults is a serious problem for us. And I think so long as this is what we get, it's going to get bad. You know, I've talked in the past about civil war, but think about fanaticism. These people are fanatics. They tear down statues and destroy them and say free speech. Then they say silence is violence, but speech is violence. They get mad when you when you paint over their message, but they're not. We're not supposed to get mad when they tear down our statues. Hypocrisy, blind zealotry and fanaticism. It will be our downfall if we don't do something about it. But hey, the New York Times, at least they're writing about it, right? They say, as the pandemic took hold, most epidemiologists have had clear prescriptions in fighting it. No students in classrooms, no in-person religious services, no visits to sick relatives in hospitals, no large public gatherings. So when conservative anti-lockdown protesters gathered on state capitol steps in places like Columbus and Lansing in April and May, epidemiologists scolded them and forecast surging infections. When Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia relaxed restrictions on businesses in late April, as testing lagged and infections rose, the talk in public health circles was of that state's embrace of human sacrifice. And then the brutal killing of George Floyd by police in Minneapolis on May 25th changed everything. Soon, the streets nationwide were full of tens of thousands of people in mass protest movement that continues to this day with demonstrators and the toppling of statues. And rather than decrying mass gatherings, more than 1,300 public health officials signed a May 30th letter in support and many joined the protests. That reaction in the contrast with the epidemiologists earlier fervent support for the lockdowns gave rise to an uncomfortable question. Was public health advice in a pandemic dependent on whether people approved of the mass gathering in question? To many, the answer seemed to be yes. And to many, they were right. That's exactly what it was. How is it 
that we saw pictures of nurses defiant blocking vehicles saying, Mm-mm, you're not mar- you're not marching past me, you bigot. Then after the George Floyd incident, these these nurses emerging in photos and videos were clapping and cheering, saying yes, while they wore masks. Hilarious, isn't it? This kind of blind zealotry should be obvious to most people, but for some reason it isn't. Dare I say, the NPC meme is real. Can you recognize logic, hypocrisy, and your own bias? If not, you may very well be an NPC. For those that aren't familiar, the NPC meme, NPC meme is non-player character or non-playing character. There, it's a reference to video games where like, you know, when you're playing Mario and you control Mario and you can make him jump, the, 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 little, the little turtle guys, I'm not going to say their names because I think they might, it, it might be a racial so I'll get in trouble. Princess Toadstool, you don't control her, but she looks kind of like Mario. You get the point? I'm joking. The, uh, the point is they're not playing. They're not thinking. They have no idea what's going on. You can't convince them. They're just blind, bleeding masses. Bleating masses, not bleeding. Bleat like a sheep. Sheep bleat. Bah. Get the point? The way the public health narrative around coronavirus has reversed itself overnight seems an awful lot like politicizing science. The essayist and journalist Thomas Chatterton Williams wrote in The Guardian last month, what are we to make of such whiplash-inducing messaging? Well, it's not just about this, to be, to be fair. Look at these people. The free market decides what, what is, what's essential, not faux King Evers company. These are the anti-lockdown protests. They said the stay-home order was biased. Well, the left found the one thing that they could say proved they were okay. Nobody's wearing masks. That proves it, right? The only problem is at the time we were told not to wear masks. Fauci himself, the Surgeon General tweeted, don't wear masks. Okay. So you want to blame these people? Well, we were told not to do it. Now we're being told to do it. More hypocrisy and messaging. No one has any idea what to believe anymore. They say, you know, Bill Burr said, I turn on the news. I see, are we wearing masks? Okay, we're wearing masks. What, what, what are you talking about, man? I, I, look, I get it. But what are you talking about? You mean to tell me that you open up the news and they're like, today, wear a mask. You're like, all right, then tomorrow, don't wear a mask. You take it off. At a certain point, don't you ask the question, why is it that we, do we even know what's happening? We don't. The worst part of it is people who politicize this. Now, look, I'm glad to see the New York Times is writing about this and pointing out the hypocrisy. But we have this same problem affecting literally everything. These same NPC blind zealots are holding up signs saying, we believe in science, while they demand that scientific studies on gender be taken down from various universities. Clearly, it doesn't make sense. They say biological sex doesn't exist. It's a spectrum because they don't believe in science. And they say, clearly, Tim, you haven't read, read the updated science on biological sex. I have. I've cited it many, many times. The bimodality of, of biological sex. You were wrong about it. I've read the science and I've done several stories about it. So how do we function? How do we pass policy when this is what we get? Fringe far leftists who believe insane things for insane reasons, but think they're right. Welcome to moral authoritarianism. We went through this in the 90s. Hopefully this is as bad as it gets, but these people are violent, extremely violent, and they're organized. And there are many people who seek to exploit this zealotry for weird political revolution. Hopefully they don't get it. November is coming up soon. We're only months away. And I'm not entirely sure November matters because these people are too blind. They won't read the news. They have no idea what they're talking about. Yet they think they're right and they're violent and that's dangerous. So what do we do? I don't know. 
The politicians love it. It's been easier than ever to get elected. Just say orange man bad. Hey, it worked in 2018. We'll see how things play out in November, but at least I can say it's being called out. Huh? I got one more segment for you in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. It may be that we are more divided than we have ever been. The Daily Mail reports Donald Trump's approval rating sits at 38%, with 91% of Republicans giving him their backing and just 2% of Democrats in record partisan split. This is worrying. And it's kind of the theme of what I've been talking about, potential for civil war, how they lie and how they manipulate, and how people are too blind to realize what's really going on. I think a large contributing factor to what's happening is news media. And I've made, I've made this point many times before that when you have multiple outlets all write different things because they didn't do their job and actually fact check, watch videos and get statements, you end up with a large group of people who are blindly following the media and a lot of people who are not. Many people have said that the real divide between the factions of the culture war is authoritarian versus libertarian. Maybe. Some have said it's nationalist versus globalist, perhaps. Many typically just say left versus right. Uh huh. Maybe it's those who trust media and those who don't. That's a big aspect of Donald Trump's pitch, the fake news, the enemy of the people. And I've routinely point out the media's lies and how they and, and, and their constant lies. So does Tucker Carlson. Perhaps the real issue is that everything is derivative of the fact of whether or not you actively pay attention to the news or do you just trust them? Because if you just trust them, what do you learn? In the previous segment, I talked about how they will tell you, it's great that people are protesting. No, it doesn't spread COVID. But then they'll tell you that the anti-lockdown protests did. Or in the previous segment about how they'll say Trump is propping up Confederates, while the New York Times literally says tear down Jefferson. Maybe it's an issue of people who read the news and people who don't, or people who read too much news and people who read too little. I don't know. But this to me is worrying. And I think it should be worrying to you because everyone keeps saying, come November, no one will trust the results of the election. I agree. What does that mean? I don't know. I know that you'll likely not see. It's going to result in big fights, court battles, and we don't know who would win in the end. They say uh, Chief Justice Roberts is a swing vote. Maybe it'll come down to the Supreme Court. Biden could win. Trump could win. No idea. But we do have some interesting news. The Supreme Court ruled faithless, faith, faithless electors are not allowed. They cannot go rogue. This ruling came today, and this is important. You see, one of the scenarios I presented was that a potential for civil war, as someone, met, so, someone emailed me this, and they said, what if a swing state goes for Trump, but the governor then says, no, no, we're going to go with the national popular vote and instructs their electors to vote for Joe Biden instead, leading both to declare victory. This should theoretically rule this out because the Supreme Court has just ruled electoral college members cannot go rogue, meaning if they're appointed and the state is pledged to Trump, they must vote for Trump. But it doesn't mean we won't see chaos because people still can theoretically go rogue. And then what do you do? What happens if, if a handful of swing state electors just say, nope, do something about it? What happens if they jam up the system? In the end, Trump wins because the Republicans control the House. So who knows? The main issue here is the division is real and it's not going to get better. The Daily Mail says on Monday, Gallup released June polling numbers that showed 91% of Republicans support Trump, but just 2% of Democrats as Trump's lower approval rating overall stayed steady at 38%. 
The 89 point difference is even bigger than the split pollsters saw in late January and early February during the president's Senate impeachment trial, which registered an 87 point gap. And it's certainly because, as I've pointed out, the media is lying to you. They claim that Trump is propping up Confederates. He's not doing it. Please share this stuff. Please share that article. Please let people know you don't have to like Donald Trump. You are free to hate the man. Just be honest about it. He was not talking about Confederates. Here we can see they say polling from May 28th to June 4th saw Trump's approval hovering in the high 30s as well. Then in June, he upped his support among Republicans from 85 to 91 percent. At the same time, he lost ground with independents and Democrats. From late May to late June, he dropped from 39% to 33% with independents, which could be problematic going into the November 2020 election. Democratic support went from 5% to 2%. And while 38% is low, the president saw lower numbers, 35%, four separate occasions in 2017. Additionally, in early May, Trump's approval rating tied with his personal best at 49%. Actually, It was higher than it's ever been in the aggregate. Now, according to Gallup, yeah. Here's what I find interesting. Will Trump actually win with the strategy he is using? I believe that Trump is in a bad position. There are many reasons to suggest he's going to have huge advantages, but I believe he has net negatives that are holding him back more than the net positives he's gained. But some people would say otherwise. They think Trump's core base will never abandon him. And that's 40%. Even though his, his approval is down, there are a lot of people who disapprove of the president, but who will still vote for him. That's an important factor people haven't thought about. Now, when it comes to the polls about who people will actually vote for, now we see likely voters. What about unlikely voters? That's who Trump has targeted in the past. What if he's targeting them now? What if Donald Trump has realized that if he makes the culture war an issue for every single American possible, he wins? The Americans that care about America. How many people go out on the 4th of July and lit up fireworks, but aren't very political? A lot of people. We all saw those videos of the fireworks lighting up across LA and Philadelphia. These people might not be overtly political, but if Trump can light them up, they will vote for him. They really will. Because they're scared of a fringe far left element. The Dina Mail goes on to say, this was amid the coronavirus pandemic, but before the president's handling of the Black Lives Matter demonstrations that took place after the death of George Floyd, a Minneapolis black man, this we know. Since late May, the president has lost ground with every major voting block, but maybe the polls are fake news. You know, I got to say, it's a fact that people will vote for who they think is going to win. It's true. We've seen it. We've seen the data. We've seen the research. If you say Biden's going to win, people will be like, I guess I'll vote for him. And maybe that's what we're seeing with the fake news. I'm not one to believe in conspiracies. I believe the polls for Trump are probably bad, but I've also seen them lie, cheat and steal before. In my previous segment, we talked about how the Brookings Institute's Tom Wheeler lied about what Trump was talking about. The media routinely says Trump is praising Confederates because they're either ridiculously stupid or they're lying. Take that into consideration when you look at the polls. Maybe the pollsters are all ridiculously stupid or maybe they're lying. And it makes it look like Trump is going to lose. This is exactly what happened in 2016. It seems to be happening all over again. An uninspiring candidate with a weak platform that can't rile up a base, people won't show up for. And what do we have today? The same thing with Joe Biden. Are they really just betting that people hate Joe Biden less than they hate Trump and that's why they're going to win? I don't think so. Now they announced, uh, I should say Kanye West announced a presidency. 
Maybe that press was enough to steal some votes from Joe Biden. That's what the left thinks. In the end, I think about it this way. Donald Trump has supporters. Donald Trump has haters. That's the election. Will the haters outnumber his supporters? I do not believe so. I really don't see it. I really, really don't. And if that's true, it means the Republicans should win everything. Again, they had everything in 2016. Are they going to have everything again in 2020? I'm not entirely convinced. But I think if, if that sentiment is real, then maybe. The problem now is, will there be cheating? Will, on either side, will there be voter suppression? Will there be media manipulation? Will there be lawsuits? I seem to think so. That's why I highlighted the Supreme Court ruling. Because at least Trump has this in his back pocket. Faithless electors will not stop him. But as for the split, my concern is what happens after November 3rd. What happens if Joe Biden wins? Joe Biden has promised to transform this country. We, I am not kidding when I say we have seen 10 years of history in a matter of months. I implore you, go read the history of the Civil War, the American Revolution. These thing took, these wars were for years, years. Did you know that the American Revolution was a process of over 20 years? How did we come this far in so short a time? And what were the founding fathers doing on most days? Could you imagine this? We talk about the revolution as if everything was happening from flash to flash to flash. But in reality, some big battle would happen and there'd be months of what? Just waking up, cooking up some bacon, having your breakfast, reading the paper, and that's it. Doing your work. Maybe that's the problem. We've, we, as I, I mention this all the time, our view of history is condensed. But the speed at which communication happens today is causing everything to move 100 times faster. When people would finally get word of the battle that happened at the you know, Shenandoah River or over, in Harper, over at Harper's Ferry or whatever. When people would hear about those things, how long did it take? It maybe would have taken several days. Now, some people pointed out to me they had you know, telegraph lines, so maybe several days. What about now? The moment it happens, it's on our phone. That's why we see Black Lives Matter protests happen in Europe, oh, on the other, in other countries when the George Floyd incident occurred. So what happens come November? I don't know, but the polarization is severe, worse than maybe it's ever been. And some have said worse than it's been since the Civil War. So you make every assumption you want. I'm not going to tell you what to think, but I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all next time.